Good morning, good evening to all the EPL State of Mind listeners. First off, uh, I think we're all pretty obvious here that we're a little late with this week's segment. Uh, We had some technical difficulties on Monday and then technical difficulties on Tuesday, but we're back in action. Myself, James, Sean, and Kyle here. And, you know, it's not a bad thing because, to be honest with you, we got in some serious Champions League foot action yesterday and today, so we'll be touching upon that with our hot news segment. Uh, but we're going. We're excited to get one out this week, especially since I'll be gone next week, and Sean and Kyle get to flip coin. Who's going to be the master MC for next week while I'm gone in London? So you'll have someone else's beautiful voice taking over for a little bit there. But uh, I'm going to get my mouth full in this weekend here, and uh, we're going to get head started here with our hot news segment. So Sean kind of took the point on this one at the initially, and then last night I did some serious deep diving into it, but recently. Last week, there was notification out there that Burnley, uh, who is currently sitting in first place in the championship, uh, has been placed on a transfer embargo from the English Football League. So everyone's kind of talking about these embargoes, these punishments due to financial fair play, mainly because of Manchester City. Uh, We've heard some things about Barcelona with paying off some companies that were owned by the VP of the refereeing over in La Liga. So this is a little bit closer to home, and this one is actually happening. So what happened is Burnley supposedly was switching their auditors, uh, and due to that, they they supplied their finances late to the English Football League. In result, they were placed on immediate transfer embargo, which means they cannot be uh, communicating to anyone in order to take any transfers in, but they're not able to do that anyway because the market is not open. But what it is affecting right now is possibly the ability for them to re-sign and renegotiate contracts with their current players. Sitting in first place of the championship right now, uh, that is a bit of a problem, but it's not going to be a long-term thing. I think this is going to die down before the summer window. But let's kind of look at how they got into this position. They were relegated last year from the English Premier League because they finished 18th and have been cruising underneath uh, Vincent Company, an ex-Man City player right now. So it they're sitting 17 points clear, I now believe, of uh, the third-place team. So promotion is looking pretty evident for them. Uh, but obviously, anytime that you have this kind of restriction on you, it will, it will be a challenge. So we'll see how this is going. Uh, but obviously, just a little bit of history. Uh, when they did get demoted from the Premier League, they had a bit of a fire sell. Uh, they're selling all their top-tier players. And I'm going to mention a few of them that I think everyone will be uh, you know, recognize pretty well. But they sold about 76 million euros worth of departures just by itself. But because of the mass exodus, they had to then go out and buy and make loans. And they took about half of that selling profit to buy more players. The crazy part for me is that if you were following Burnley really closely last year, there are some really impressive names that are making well-known in the English Premier League today. Uh, starting with, I think, the well- most well-known one, their starting keeper at the time, Nick Pope, currently at Newcastle. He was sold to Newcastle for 11.5 million euros. Right now, his market value has him at 20 million, but I would argue that he's probably upwards of 30 million. That's kind of where Ramsdale is sitting right now, and I consider those two pretty comparable. They're both playing for England. I think they're in a race for number one goalkeeper for the national team, so I, I would see that value increase over time. The next one we have, I think everyone is well aware of as well, is Wout Weghorst. Uh, he's on loan from Burnley for Man U, and it was a €3 million euro loan. Burnley will most likely need him back if this embargo 
goes through and they won't be able to do any real transfers with them. So I, I think we see Wout Wigorst back in the EPL with Burnley next season. Another one that kind of went under the radar. Uh, Sean mentioned two of these guys already because of the hiring of Sean Dyche, who was the Burnley ex-manager last season and is now in Everton, is James Tarowski. Uh, he was the starting center back for Burnley last year and Dwight McNeil, a starting winger for them. So the, both of those guys went for... Uh, well, Dwight McNeil went for 17 million, now currently priced at 20 millions. And then uh, Tarowski, James Tarowski for Everton, he was sold for about, two, he was actually left on a free transfer and is worth about 22 million now as well. Um, with the embargo, what would they lose again? So they would lose a large amount of their current standing roster because of the relegation. They had to go out and go on a lot of loans. And some four key names here is their leading goal scorer, Nathan Tella. He's got currently 14 goals, and he's actually on loan from Southampton. So odds are he'll go back to Southampton and be sold. Second highest performing player out of the roster is their starting left back, Ian Mattison, uh, who is actually from Chelsea's under-21 team. So that's their second highest performing player. The third highest performing player also on loan is a center back, Taylor Hayward Bellis, and that's also Man City's under-21 team. The other starting center back is also on loan, and that is Lewis Beyer. He's from a Bundesliga side. So right off the bat, their four key components are gone off of loan. So really, this embargo could have a serious effect if it does carry into the summer transfer window, not being able to replenish those positions. So we could see a bit of a problem for Vincent Company in the English Premier League if he does get promoted. Although, another fact is that this, this embargo doesn't carry over into the EPL. If it were to carry over into the EPL, the Premier League would have an opportunity to then enact their own punishments on Burnley if they choose to do so. So overall, I think this was a bit of a sticker shock, but we won't see much of a problem. What I would like to segue this into is Man City, because just based off of that gravity of what that could do to Burnley coming from the, the championship, I feel should be in consideration when the Premier League, if they choose to, enact some form of punish on Man City, it should be of comparable comparison because ultimately they probably have done something worse than Burnley and Burnley could be in the coals for this for quite some time. So not me just picking on you, Kyle, but I would love to see Man City's punishment be of something of the same ratio for what Burnley would be. That's just me. I don't know what you have to say about that, but I do know that you probably have a lot to say about Man City and their performance yesterday. So if we want to keep going... Unless, Sean, you have anything to add, I think we can kind of pass that along over to Kyle for the Man City portion of the hot news and some specific man by the name of Erlen Holland. Yeah, I'm going to start off with this. <laughs> All right, that, that's enough of that. But let's dive in. I mean, we got Erling Holland scoring five goals in 62 minutes of Champions League soccer. Subbed off in the 62nd out of, you know, respect for the player. He's got an FA Cup this weekend. It's a huge game. We need him healthy. That being said, a couple records were set this weekend with Erling Holland. I'm just going to dive into him. I don't need to dive into the game as much. It was Man City versus Leipzig. It was 1-1 aggregate going in. Man City was supposed to win at home. They won at home. Don't have to go into that. What we will go into is Erling Holland joining Lionel Messi as the only other player in history to score a first-half hat-trick in a Champions League knockout game. I mean, just to go into how hard that is, 
those are the best 16 club teams in the world left. Mm. Which basically means you got the 16 best lines of defense in the world. That man put him away five times in 62 minutes. And for those who watched the game, his pace was key. He should have scored in the 10th minute. Those balls over the top are just dangerous. He's outpacing both the center backs. Granted, a lot of the goals were tap-ins just from being in the right position. I want to say three of them were rebound goals. One was a penalty. One was well-earned. But you know what? Half the job of being a striker is being in the right position. You're not touching the ball as much as anyone else on the field for the most part. Maybe the goalie, but it's just all position, and he knows the sport. He knows the position. He's similar to Darwin Nunez. He's in the right spot. He's just got the height advantage. He's got the pace. Uh, Another record he broke. This is how many games it took to reach 30 goals in the Champions League tournament. Lionel Messi, 48. Lewandowski, 46. Erling Holland, 25. Those are the top three. It's just staggering. Um, Erling Holland also tied and broke the Manchester City record this weekend or this week on Tuesday. His fourth goal tied Manchester City's most goals ever in a single season by one player. His fifth goal broke it. <laughs> it's March. Yeah. This was before yeah. the eyes yeah. of March. So <laughs> he's not even halfway done with March, and he's broken the record hands down by himself. We got a special player on the team. I love the move from Pep to take him out in the 62nd. When you have I a player like but that, that's you fine. do not risk it. That game was in the bag. We advance. It's more important to have him in the round of eight than for him to get his sixth, maybe seventh goal in the round of 16. I don't know. That's, that's that's a pretty fucking big deal. I mean, he's tied there with Messi, and I forget the other guy's name for five goals in one Champions League game. Messi's the only one to do it without a penalty penalty kick goal. But I would love it to see it. It was in 2004. Yeah, you're right. I forget the exact player. But, um, I mean, there's not much else to say about the guy. He's a talent. He's special. Um. One other thing I want to touch upon from earlier, what James was mentioning about, you know, Barcelona maybe paying off some refs. PK came out with what I thought was a pretty funny comment this week, saying mm-hmm. that if Barcelona was really going to pay the referees, it would not have been public in their dealings. It would have been envelopes of cash under the table, which, you know what, I think it's funny, but I also think it's kind of true. You know, like, is Barcelona really stupid enough to do everything? To where the public can see it. Uh, I don't know. Yes, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, this is a this is a this is a, a club that has no money and still has been spending hundreds of millions of dollars selling TV rights. All right, well, we're gonna get off this know, tangent that Sean's going of, on here and go back to Man. I'm just City, saying, you know. No, like, no, I'm just. Yeah, you asked the question. The man's right. They are that stupid. But yeah, I mean, last point I'll say: Man City, they won. They did what they needed to. It's great to see. Erling Holland thriving once again. He's had a rough couple games, only scoring one a game. You know, that's not his mantra. <laughs> but he's back. And De Bruyne, world-class finish to top it off in stoppage time. Love the celebration, which was no celebration. That was the best goal of the game. That, that was. was the best goal it of the was. game. Best goal of the game, hands down. And his celebration is classic. So I'll leave it there. Sean, I, could, I-, I could talk for an hour on this, but I'm going to leave it there. Sean, I, I don't, I don't know I about you, that. but I, when I was watching the highlights of this, and Kyle kind of mentioned, right, I had flashbacks of the Liverpool Man U game because this was a very, very, it was legit the same scoreline, so it was the same exact thing. The yep. styles of how these goals were made, it wasn't like every single one was beautifully worked, but Man City dominated the game similarly to your Liverpool did over Man U, and like you said, Kyle it was all instinct, reaction, and a nose for the goal for Holland. But eight shots and five of them going in, the guy's a fucking robot. 
Yeah, he's yeah. Great. It also goes to what we were talking about last week, where we don't see many teams winning by six to nothing. You know, once they let up the five, they kind of just drop in defense. We mentioned it last week. You see seven no score lines more What's than demoralizing. six no score lines. It's like walking out of your house without any clothes on. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, how is this happening? You're a professional. You're a human being. Oh, man. But I think we all saw that coming. But on the, on the same tangent of Champions League football, Sean, why don't you give us a little update there of the remainder? Unfortunately, I know Liverpool is not in the last eight, but we do have some major names and some great facts. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, it's probably the, th- you know, other than Arsenal, the three best teams in Europe are still in it. Uh, Napoli got through today with a 3-0 win over Eintracht Frankfurt. They're probably the most exciting team to watch right now, in my opinion. Got Madrid, obviously, European royalty. You have Man City looking for their first um, ever European trophy. Um, Inter and AC Milan both through. Bayern Munich, So and then obviously Chelsea. So there are... Some really tasty matchups. We'll find them out tomorrow morning uh, is the draw. But, you know, we'll probably put some polls together just to see what people think about, you know, who who's the favorite in, in each of those matchups when they do come out. But it, it should be fun. A lot of really good teams left. Uh, my boys did not come through with, with another miraculous comeback. Not that I expected it. We have the uh, the ghost of James Milner playing center midfield. So, in the Bernabeu, <laughs> you can't expect too much at that point. Um, but it should be an exciting final eight. Um, it was weird. I just was going through and just right, right through the uh, the group stage and stuff. I don't remember seeing Arsenal in the. Champions no, we play League. tomorrow. We play tomorrow in some other tournament called oh, Europa. I don't okay. know what oh, roster right. we'll Champions throw League out. Isn't but... on Thursdays. Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> well, get used. Get get it all out now because next year we're in there. So yeah, I don't. I don't know if I can say the same about both your teams. So Kyle <laughs> by, by default, oh, by default, yeah. and then and then yeah, we'll Sean see. for you. So let's yeah. silence that crowd real quick. That's but fair. one crowd I would like to have a big shout out to. Uh, one, my boy Luigi. Uh, we we message each other simultaneously this fact just because of our blood of it, it, motherland Italia, and this is the first time in 17 years, so since 2006, that three Serie A teams are being represented in the quarterfinals, and. Um, they have the most, Serie A has the most right now. They're with three teams, Inter, Napoli, and AC. And then, like Sean mentioned, you have two from England being the second most, which is uh, Chelsea and Man City. So a big um, uh, Forza Italia for, for everyone out there. And uh, we can we can see who, who wins. So I, I love the teams out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah it, didn't take can, a de- uh, yeah, it didn't take a detective to figure out that Luigi was Italian, by the way. I think the name was the giveaway. <laughs> but uh um, you know what i wasn't thinking about that too much <laughs> but yeah it'd be it'd be awesome if we get an inter uh interverse ac milan uh derby for for the quarterfinals that would be sick but we'll see i'm excited to you know pretty much other than benfica i think everybody else left has a chance to win this tournament so mm-hmm. should be exciting and even then, you can't rule Benfica out too much. If eight, if Ajax can make it to a semifinal match True. against Tottenham one year, Benfica, who I feel is a better better side right now, could 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 do something wondrous as well. Possible. Agreed. But for those viewers who don't follow uh, Syria A soccer, the Milan Derby, Inter Milan versus AC Milan, is one of the most fun games you will ever see. It is dirty, it is vicious, and they are out there to win. So you know, if you guys see that game on, just it's worth the tune in. Absolutely. 
you know, especially this year, they're so tight in the Serie A title race as well. Only two points separate them right now. So there's going to be some bloodlust there. Yeah. Speaking Absolutely. of speaking of Italians, I think we should shift it over to uh, to Antonio Conte and and Richarlison's comments from earlier in the week. Um, I think absolutely. You know when you when you look at it, obviously Richarlison came out early. I think it was maybe or excuse me, late last week at this point because my mic has been just screwing us up for a couple of days, so our my bearing's <laughs> a little off. Um, he came out last week and said his season has been shit, and he's been very frustrated with his lack of starts, his lack of game time. I mean, you, you look you look at Tottenham from an attacking standpoint outside of Harry Kane, the other three being Kulusevski, Son, and uh, and Richarlison haven't had the seasons that they would have wanted. Um, but Richarlison specifically having no goals really had a rough season. Um, and Conte kind of called them out and said, you know, his, his season has been shit. I agree with him, basically. But um, <laughs> the one thing you got to give credit for, he did give the man a chance to, you know, to, to walk the walk. And back up what he said, and uh, it resulted in, in dividends for Tottenham over the weekend. He had an assist on the third goal, and then he also set up the second goal uh, with his pe- he earned the penalty for Harry Kane, and his work off the ball also got them the first goal. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. I do not like Richarlison. I think he looks like a pigeon. I think he is <laughs> one of the one of the dirtiest players in the Premier League, especially for an attacker. Um, and obviously, I don't like him because he played for Everton. But you got to give him yep. credit, and I, I think he showed that he clearly, you know, deserves more game time. Yeah, I mean, he. I agree with you. I see him walking the streets of New York City everywhere. The amount of uh, Snapchats <laughs> I have recorded of pigeons walking down the street saying "What's up, Richie?" is actually quite, quite outrageous. But you know, I hated him at Everton, and I hate him especially more now at Spurs. But you're right; we got him credit. And look at the World Cup he had; he's got the goal of the tournament. True, he he has the talent. So there might be something going on behind the scenes there. I mean, he he was linked to Arsenal early in the transfer window last season. I didn't need him; didn't want him. I was glad he left. Super pissed off that he's just on a pitch right now. But it you know it is what it is. But talking about being on the pitch, we will find out based off of the next segment, what our take is on who will not be in an English Premier League pitch next season and is currently battling a massive relegation fight. One of the largest ones we've seen in the English Premier League in a long time. So that's coming up on the next segment. Okay, we are stepping into the danger zone. We're stepping into the relegation zone. As you all know, the bottom three teams of the English Premier League get relegated to the championship. The top three teams of the championship get promoted. It's an extreme celebration for all in the championship and a very sad Sunday for three teams in the English Premier League. And currently right now we have the bottom nine teams as about as tight as you can get of a race for this relegation. I'm saying only five points separate the 20th place team to the 12th place team. And in order from 12th down to 20, this is what we're looking at. We got Crystal Palace, who's played 27 games and only has 27 points. We have Wolves in 13th place, 27 games, 27 points. Nottingham Forest, 26 games, 26 points. I I didn't realize that was a connection there with the games and the points, pretty cool. But anyway, 
We have Everton sitting in 15th, 27 games played, 25 points. Leicester City, 26 games played, 24 points. 17th place, we have West Ham, 26, play, uh, 26 played games, 24 points. Bournemouth, 26 games, 24 points. 19th place leads, 26 games, 23 points. And 20th in dead last, solo, Southampton, 27 games, 22 points. So right off the bat, we had two, two games today. We had Southampton lose 2-0 to Brentford. Brentford pops up above Fulham and separates themselves from Chelsea a bit more on the top of the table. And Southampton separates themselves from the pack slightly, coming in dead last now with one less game to play than most of the teams above them. The second team to go down today was Crystal Palace, a 1-0 loss against Brighton off of Matoma assist. I just wanted to throw Matoma in there. Real no relevance in this conversation, but got to throw Matoma in there. So Crystal Palace now also has 27 games played and is only at 27 points with five points separating from 20th. And they have a game more than most of the teams below them, who they are also facing for the majority of the remainder of their games. So let's go around the horn here. I would love to hear who we think is going to go down bottom three, why, or any hot takes. So I want to save the hot take king for last. So I'll go over to you first, Sean, because I feel like you have a more of a rational way of thinking about things. So what, what do you got? So I'll say this. I think um, Palace obviously has really struggled, but as you just mentioned, of their um, 11 remaining games, nine are against teams uh, below them in the table. So I do think they're, they're going to stay up. Um, but you go down from there, and, and I can conceivably see most of those teams going down. Leicester and West Ham would be the most shocking just because of the talent that they have on their rosters. But at this point, I think I would go Southampton is going to go down. I think Leeds is going to go down. And I'm going to say it's Forest. Um, and a big reason I think it's going to be Forest is because Brennan Johnson, who's been their best player this season and really was their best player last season in the championship as well, um, he went off with a groin injury, which anybody who's pretty much played any sport and had a groin injury knows those are super frustrating, annoying injuries to deal with. They they, they nag, and they take a long time to come back from. Mm. Um, and Forrest just doesn't have that kind of time. Um, like I said, I think Leicester and West Ham are both really solid teams. I think Dyche has got Everton playing a bit better. Um, and Bournemouth, I mean, you got to give them credit. They took, a point, they took three points off Liverpool. And they also nearly took Arsenal to the brink as well. So I think they've been set up really well. Um, I've been really impressed with Gary O'Neill, the manager, and then Philip Billing, another another week, another goal. That guy's a stud in midfield. He's like 6'6", can't take the ball off him, and he's handsome as hell. So I'm like, I, I think the Cherries stay up. All right, all right. I mean, I, I agree with you on the sense that Nottingham took two losses. As we mentioned, one was the actual physical loss and then the, the loss of, of Brendan Johnson, who I saw as a really key player last year in their FA Cup run when they beat Arsenal. But just to keep an eye on, they did lose DJ Spence or Deej Spence to Spurs. Jed. They, Jed, Jed, thank you. Spence due to a loan. I, I can't see Nottingham Forest going down because they have spent so much money on trying to stay up, and I just think there are worse teams out there. I don't, I don't know if Brendan Johnson is enough to keep them up or down, but I think they might level out. I think there's worse com competitors, but, I mean, very solid picks from you, Sean. 
just because I want to keep you last, Kyle, I'll sneak in here real quick. And I'm going to agree with, uh, with Sean on, on two people, or at least one right now, Southampton. I think that they're just, it's not, it's not their season. Um, it's, it's really tough. And especially now having one game over a lot of the teams above them and literally everyone to play left, left is above them. It's going to be a big struggle for them to find any shape or form or go on a run, which is what you need towards the end of the last 10, 10 games. You need to go on a streak. I just don't see it. They've only got 22 points and they're 27 games in. So I think Southampton's going to go down the next one, not necessarily in 19th or 18th place. I don't know where they're going to finish. And this is a little bit more of a hot take. And unfortunately, I'm meeting up with one of my best friends who moved to England uh, a couple of years ago, and he's a big Hammer fan. And my cousin is a giant Hammer fan too. And then Jack is, I don't know what type of fan he is, but he's a Hammer fan. And I think the Hammers are going to go down. I think based off of their remaining schedule, I only see them winning one, maybe two games in order from what they got. West Ham versus Man City was postponed, so they still have City to play. They are they can win Southampton. That's their next game. Then they play Newcastle. That's not a W or an easy game against them. Then they go to Fulham, who's playing very well. Then they come to Arsenal. Then they then they host Arsenal. And they play Bournemouth, and if Bournemouth can keep up their form, that's a loss there. They play Liverpool, which will be an interesting game, but I think Liverpool can edge them out. Crystal Palace, who knows what Crystal Palace is in there. Man United, Brentford. Then they play Leeds and they play Leicester. I think maybe they get two wins out of that remaining series there, maybe two ties. But I think they have one of the most difficult last runs of the season out of any of these competitors with what they have coming in the schedule. So I would not be shocked. I hope they don't, but I would not be shocked if West Ham goes down. And then I think Leeds, just because they have never really truly found a form this season, I don't really see them getting into their playing style that they want to do, which is unfortunate because I would love to see the team with the most Americans stay on. We do have Fulham with a good amount of Americans now as well, but I would like to see Leeds stay up. But I think ultimately it's going to be, I think in this order, I think it's going to be West Ham, Leeds, Southampton. All right, goddamn boys. I got none of y'all picks. I got three completely different teams going down. Listen, we'll start it off. Wolves, get the fuck out of here. You're done. You're done. I mean, you have... 20 goals for you are at least in the Premier League right now on goals for and your front line consists of Traore, Jimenez and Costa. That's an embarrassment. You clearly have the shittiest coach in the Premier League. If you can't score goals, you have 20 goals for right now with those three. Learn how to coach. I'm sorry. You guys have no business staying in the Premier League with that. Um, Next, I have Bournemouth. Listen, you lost nine nothing this year. You're not a Premier League team. I'm sorry. That is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but they beat that team. They beat that team one nothing at this weekend. So yeah, but they took a minus eight it's three differential. They, they took That's the massive. same amount of points yeah, off well, each other. Bournemouth, you got to give that credit, is man. Looming. And also that, that manager is over the shoulders. They remember. Yeah, that my, that manager was not yeah. there though at for yeah. that game. It was Scott Parker still. And Gary O'Neill's done man, a really good job setting them up. Too. Get the fuck out of. I wouldn't mind seeing man you go with a seven nil loss either. But I'm not throwing them down <laughs> I think the they're table. pretty safe right now. <laughs> but listen, you know these players stay up at night going, wow, we lost 9 nothing." Like, it, it's haunting. It's daunting. It I is mean, just I see what pathetic. you're saying. They've been so mediocre and, uh, and below On top of that, they so have the worst goal differential now. in the Premier League. They have won some games, yes. They come out strong, yes. But, you know, people get lucky. You can't fix stupid. That's a stupid team. They are going down. Lastly, I have Everton. Or not Everton. I'm sorry. I have Leicester going That's down. a stupid team. <laughs> Leicester had the game in hand, yes. 
But you know what? They have 46 goals against, and they are just struggling to score. Their stars aren't scoring. They are letting up goals left and right. They don't have heart. Their games are boring to watch. They're not high scoring. It is just a shame. I don't want to see them in the Premier League. So, you know what? Leicester, Bournemouth, <laughs> Wolves, you're done. Your feathers, get out of here. I'll see you in three years. Go back. You're not coming up next year either. I'm sorry. <laughs> you need a year back there. Learn humility and come back with better coaches <laughs> and a better plan. And don't lose 9 nothing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I know a lot of people aren't going to love it, and they're going to think you're fucking bonkers, but I love it. I like it a lot. I can't believe nobody picked Everton. I almost did. I had them there, but then I remembered Frank Lampard was part of that organization for a little bit this season. So they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, they're she was weighing them down. They've been so back. much better since he got fired. So Lampard. I mean, they, have, they have a really – I mean, Everton has a really tough one too. Yeah, Frank's crying right now. He's rolling around in his uh, his above ground grave. But uh, <laughs> cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Son's crying. <laughs> I, I just just because you mentioned them, Sean. I would like to say that they also have a very difficult run of games coming up too. They got Chelsea up next, Tottenham, Man U. That could be three three losses in a row there. I mean, that could be devastating. Then they have Fulham. It should be. It should be. But Everton. It, when one of those games, Tottenham versus Everton, is at Goodison Park, which is always a difficult fixture. I think all of us have realized that over the course of a few years. But after Fulham, you got Crystal Palace. Again, I have no idea what the fuck Crystal Palace is going to do. Um, we got Newcastle after that, Leicester City, Brighton, Man City, Wolves, who are going down, according to you, Kyle, and Bournemouth, who are also going down, according to you. So they, they don't have an easy path ahead of them either. But I, I don't know. They always seem to fucking figure it out. They've been in the league the longest out of everyone besides Arsenal since, what, 1956, 1955, something like that, which is outrageous. So where there is a blue well, there is a blue way for the Toffees. So I would like to see that continue. But, you know, that would not be far-fetched. Also, what Sean said about uh, Gutterson Park, I mean, that was quite the call. Yeah. That changed it. I mean, I, I have faith in Everton now based on their home standings alone. Yeah, agreed. Also, shout out to Crystal Palace. I mean, Crystal Palace is one of the nine, and none of us even consider them as a possible drop from this league. I just want to say quickly, just looking, uh, looking at the last round of fixtures, uh, West Ham, please. Um, who is it? Sorry, I just had it up. My apologies. Oh, West Ham, please. Leicester, last day of the season. And Bournemouth, please leads so those are two games that or Bournemouth plays Everton excuse me so those are two matches that could it comes down to the last day for relegation those could be intense they might be the game to watch because you know maybe Arsenal wins it but already at that point depending on how things shake out but I I mean I think the title will come down to the last day but multiple games that decide relegation is freaking awesome man that'll be so intense sean's 100 right though if if you guys are coming into the state of mind late or the english premier league late super sunday 
is an incredible day, especially for that relegation battle, because you will see teams fight for their lives on that pitch. They will literally die for three points out there. So if you have not watched a relegation fight on Super Sunday, this year is going to be your first year. And I didn't realize this before, talking about relegation fights going down for the record books. In the Bundesliga, I think it would be super cool to introduce this into the English Premier League somehow. Hot take for me. The bottom two teams in the Bundesliga drop down to the, the league below them, and the top two teams automatically get promoted from the league below the Bundesliga. But what's crazy, and I just realized this, I, didn't know how, I don't know how I didn't know this before, but the third to last team in the Bundesliga plays the third to first team in the league below them for the right to stay up or get promoted. I think that is a crazy, crazy game right there. You're literally fighting to stay in your league or fighting to get promoted to the number one league. That is absolutely bonkers. I will be watching that game from the Bundesliga. Whatever German streaming website I have to watch it on, I will be watching that game. But enough relegation talk for three three teammates or three players and three fans who have teams that are sitting above it. We're going we're gonna to take a small break here and then pop back for our next segment. So hold on to your horses. Bringing back a segment we had a couple weeks ago, this or that. We're going to go over a couple questions that the team here has come up with. Some of them you've seen on the, the social media already. Some of them you have not. But we're going to go through and we're going to kind of pound them out. The first one, because Kyle's got to drop off, and I feel like this is going to be a perfect drop-the-mic exit for him. Uh, we did throw up a poll earlier in this week, and may I mention that our poll was the first of many posts on very highly ranked official accounts. Some of you might have heard of them, but like ESPN, Bleacher Report, Sky Sports, they're up there, not too far above us in podcast listeners, but they're up there, and they came out with similar comparisons. So we ask you guys what you thought, and we ask you, Kyle, what you think right now. Best center mid in the league right now, KDB, Kevin De Bruyne, or Martin yes. Lugard? Oh, there was a question. Yeah, um, I don't think there is a question. It's it's Kevin De Bruyne. This is a ridiculous <laughs> topic to even talk about. I mean, sure, you're, you're making it so specific. In the Premier League this season, Martin Odegaard has been playing out of his mind. He is comparable to Kevin De Bruyne in numbers. You know, he's got more goals, more shots, more shots on target. But then you look at De Bruyne as a midfielder with way more assists, crosses. So in just the Premier League alone this season, it's still Kevin De Bruyne. It's not even close. But you got to look at everything else. Champions League, De Bruyne scores a worldie. He's integral to the team, crucial. And... I, the biggest point I can say here, this is the last thing I'll say, is James, as an Arsenal fan, if you had your choice of either of them on your team at center mid right now, who do you pick? Martin Udegaard. Yeah, okay. That's why you haven't won a league yep. in the last, God, lifetime? Yeah. To what was it? Right. It was 2004? Well, that's, that's all I'll say on it. I mean, Premier League, one season, the guy gets hot. That's It happens. Well, how, how, let me ask yeah. you a question. Because if we're, if, we're, if we're talking about right now picking up the the player for the for a new contract how old is kevin 22 no come on now you're changing the argument that's completely different <laughs> you're just you lost 
You lost. I'm people saying, told you I, you lost. Hey, hey, the people told me I lost. I'm totally fine with that. I, as an Arsenal fan, I'm still picking my skipper over That's Kevin. Fair. Kevin De Bruyne it's, turns it's wrong, 23 on December 25th. What? That's a fact. You're... Kevin De Bruyne is on... not 23 years old. I don't know about that. He's born on Christmas. I, I'm <laughs> I know for a fact. Unless he found the fountain of youth. Yeah, he's aging backwards. He's 31, dog. What are you yeah, talking about? 31's the new 23, you know? <laughs> 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 he still plays like it. I, I'm All giving right. you full credit. Kevin De Bruyne is fantastic. I don't know. To Happy be honest, moment. I think he plays like an old man. I mean, you saw that goal. He stood still. He put the ball out to the right, scored, didn't move. He was too tired. The, I get the dude has has Martin Udegaard 1.5 vision. That's that's what I'll give him on that. I mean, it's he's Martin incredible. Udegaard. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Most goals. All right, well, that, that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, more goals. But as a center midfielder, are you paid to score or assist? Both. Both. So they each have 12 goal contributions this year in the Premier League. Like I said, I think they are comparable to each other this year alone in the Premier League. That's as close as I'll get. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I will leave you at that for sure. Well, Kyle, it's always a pleasure to hear hot takes, even though half of the Wolverhampton Wanderers is going to probably send you some nasty emails later on this evening. That's fine. As long as Traore doesn't show up, I'm not scared of any of them. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Traore with his lubed up arms? I think you would be pretty scared of that if that uh, showed up on your front I think door. He's in the spotlight more with lubed up arms than without lubed up arms at this point. Yo, I, I think you guys are on the wrong website. I don't think you're on the Premier League website if you're talking about lubed up arms. <laughs> I'm going to say. You tell me you haven't a, a PG-13 seen podcast, look like folks. he's about to pop on one of those black leather couches right before right. a game. Well, I would bid right. everyone to do to the state of mind. <laughs> yeah. Pleasure. Be looking out next week. We'll be posting. Cheers to James. Good luck in London. Sean, good luck dealing with this man trying to compare Martin Odegaard to Kevin O'Brien. <laughs> well, we'll move past it. Kyle, be good. All right, Sean. Well, that leaves the two sane ones of the group here. And uh, why don't I hit you with one here? Let's see here who we got. Who will finish sixth? Will it be Chelsea, Newcastle, Brentford, or Brighton? I want to say it's Brighton. I I just think that they play such fun like soccer to watch. I think it's possible they finish even higher than that. They have games in hand on most of the teams ahead of them. And you know, their wingers are in unbelievable form. Obviously, we talk about Matoma at nauseum, obviously way too much. Uh, Sully March, again, scored the winner today. I think I think it'll be Brighton, but interested to see, you know, who you'd be pulling for out of that group. Is this – Let me. I'll answer that in a second, but let me – is this assuming that Liverpool gets fifth? Yeah, uh, fourth. It's, it's, it's going to happen. I'll tell you this right now. <laughs> I – will go on record if Liverpool and Tottenham are within three points of each other for that game at Anfield I will bet my left never mind I will bet my life savings on Liverpool <laughs> to beat Tottenham in that game I was about to bet something that I don't think I can give up no you, you have to ask permission for that one yeah so <laughs> I would I, I listen I understand Liverpool's been crap this year I'm biased Ian I'm sure you're probably frothing at the mouth right now so mad because I <laughs> talked about united like a couple weeks ago listen i have never been more confident in my life than any time liverpool is competing with tottenham for a trophy a champions league spot whatever it may be so obviously it's possible that brighton get in that spot it's possible that newcastle get in that spot i'm telling you it'll be liverpool Hmm. yeah i uh i will be first in line to cash my first sean larkin checking 
account right into your bank. So I think I'll, I'll I, I don't think they're going to finish fourth. I think they'll finish exactly where they are. I think they'll finish in, I think they'll sixth? finish in sixth place. So I think that's your answer to the place. question. You think they're going to finish in sixth place? Well, I'll tell you this, my friend, you ain't, you ain't winning at Anfield this year either. Yeah. You're not. You can try. We can try. No, can you, try. you can try. You can try. It's definitely, it's, it's always nice to try. I'm just telling you, you're not, you're not winning that match. Your wall has been cracked. You no longer are undefeated at that castle. So I, it's a perfect time for the cannons to start really firing down on you. See how all that symbolism off listen, of our wonderful logo. Listen, man, how many, how many teams in the big six have wins at Anfield in the last five years? Not many, but it doesn't mean Zero. it's not going to happen. Zero. Zero is the answer. Of course, zero the is the answer. Well, if if you go based off of that, I still think Liverpool will finish sixth. Okay. But if they don't finish sixth, they'll finish fifth, and Brighton will finish sixth. I agree with you there. Okay, fair enough. What about um? What about this one? If you could sign one CDM for your team, and let's let's pretend that your team isn't Arsenal. Let's just say you're a mid-table team. You can sign one holding midfielder to upgrade your squad. Would you go for Declan Rice from West Ham, Moises Caicedo from Brighton, or Jao Paulinha from Fulham? That's a tough one because personally, I know Jao Paulinha is, is very good. He's, he's been really, really, really promising this season for Fulham. I don't think I would roll my dice on him just because I, I don't know enough of a history on him. I think that my gut feeling says that he's still – one of the best in the world and represents the English national team for a reason. I still think that I would go with Declan Rice. Stinky take. I think that we, if, if it's my team, not necessarily Arsenal, but with the current form that, that West Ham is in, I think you get him at a discount and I think he'd be more than happy. And his, his ambition, his drive right now, I think is the issue. It's not his skill level. Cause we know he has a skill level. I think it's the position that West Ham is currently in that is making him underperform. You surround him by key players. You throw him on a man U. Well, he's not going to start over Casemiro, obviously. But if you take Casemiro out of it, you surround him by those players, he's, he's going to have a higher level of play. Polina, yes, he's a, star, a shining star amongst Fulham. But I remember a couple of years ago when our shining star was Kieran Tierney. And he looked like the best player on Arsenal's roster because he was the best player on Arsenal's roster because everyone else was shit. I'm not saying everyone else in Fulham is shit, but I'm just saying that I don't think he's up to par yet with the other players. And then uh, Moises Casado is it's neck and neck with me and him for Declan Rice, but I would go Declan Rice. I'm taking Casado easily, and I take Polino over Declan Rice too, and I'll probably get some hate for that. Listen, uh, I did post a poll a couple weeks ago because I think. $80 million or more, which is what West Ham allegedly won for Declan Rice, is bananas. It's that guy, Nate, what, what does he do well? What, what does he do at an exceptional level? Because I don't think he gets into most of the teams in the top ten in the table. I don't think he gets into Arsenal's team right now over mm-hmm. Partey or Xhaka. I don't think he gets into City's teams over Rodri, who's the best center defensive midfielder in the league, him and Casemiro neck and neck. So then mm-hmm. that's three. Four, Fabinho, you know, I think they're both having terrible seasons. If you go on the previous three, I'd take Fabinho over Declan Rice. Right um, now, though, if you were to sign, you would sign, you would keep Fabinho, who's aging, over a younger Declan Rice? No, I guess I guess not, but I would much rather have Casado and Polina than him. 
Well, it's just fair. That's fair. So the and then the, that's two more spots there. I guess probably Brentford. I think Norgard's pretty solid. And then Chelsea. I I don't think he gets in over um, Enzo Fernandez. I don't think he's worth no the, the the breaking the record fee. And I think Enzo Fernandez is way better on the ball than Declan Rice is. I but I'm also I'll admit it. I don't I don't rate him super highly. I think he's there's a definite English tax there where he gets probably talked up more than he deserves and is rated higher than he should be just because he's English and teams will play, pay a higher premium, you know, to, to have an English player. Yeah. I think he's, he's probably had the most hype out of all the players right now because of how long he's been around in the English premier league and mm-hmm. really showing face. So I think that the fact that he's not living up to the hype this year is deterring a lot of people, but I still don't think that's reason to put aside what he, what he has been living up to hype wise for the past couple of seasons. But Overall, yeah, it's it's been a kind of a stinky one for him this season, but I think that you know, pop him on a good team, he has a he has a comeback year. But that's what I would be banking on. Yeah, I'm the only thing I would say back to that is you know, if you're a great player, shouldn't you be standing out on a bad team? You should be the clearly the guy. If you're an eighty million pound player on a bad team, like that guy's better than like he doesn't belong there. I'm gonna get you out of there like that video that yeah. video. You, <laughs> you you definitely want someone who's got the heart and the drive to be that guy to pull him out, but sometimes you're just so fucking far underneath the water, and right now West Ham is, is feeling like that. So I don't yeah. blame him. I would say if you're getting paid what he's getting paid, you should be performing at a higher level no matter where your team is, and you should act that way. But I, I still think that, that he's got the history that would convince me to, to pick him. Yeah. So I would not be un- unhappy with a Declan Rice signing mainly just to have more competition between Thomas Partey and him. Jorginho, we only have for another year after this with the possibility of extending it, but that keeps a pretty core rotation in the, in the center. And with Champions League in the future and the possibility of you know going deeper into competitions, we're going to need the depth. So I wouldn't be upset about that. I think we got, what, one more here, I think? Uh, yeah, so this one's close to you, close at heart. Who would you rather be right now? Klopp? Or Conte? Um, who would I rather be? Probably Klopp. And it's not just from a bias point of view. If you look at the injuries that Liverpool have, their two main pieces that are out are Thiago, who will be back after the international break, and Luis Diaz, who's back after the international break. So they're they're getting healthy for the first time this season, knock on wood. And Tottenham's you know still dealing with Lloris out injured. Obviously losing Benson Core is a really big blow. I think obviously Tottenham's higher up the, the table right now, which is you know the most important thing. But just based on that, I, I'd, I'd rather be Klopp, getting my yeah. best players back in you know for the stretch run. I would agree too. I would agree solely on the fact that what team you're being you're, you're coaching for. Liverpool has a very good history of recruiting when they need to recruit and going all out for good players. I have no idea in the past what five seasons who has Tottenham brought in to back up one of their managers? Nothing. You, they've been hanging all their managers out to drive. Uh, so Listen, I think Conte's gotten some of it, not all of it. But I, I get your point. Your point's taken. Like, they don't spend nearly enough money for a team that's supposed to be competing for trophies. And that's and that's partially a big reason why they fall short. Yeah, that's, that's what I would be banking on. If I was a coach and I'm in the positions that you are, both the teams are struggling – is my office going to back me up? Is my office going to help me, or are they going to hinder me more? And I think Spurs are going to hinder them. Yeah, Conte might not even be here at this next season, by the way. 
I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. They Especially since I don't know how many times he's come out and said that he might not be up for this job. He might not be up for this task. Right. Right. And he doesn't he doesn't typically spend very long at jobs anyways. He usually mm-hmm. does two to three seasons and he's out. And he has that kind of flammable personality where things can blow up quickly. And we've seen it a couple of times this year where you're like, this doesn't feel sustainable, but you never know. Um, uh, like you said, if, if they do decide to open up, Daniel Levy decides to open up that wallet, maybe that'll uh, keep old Antonio around a bit longer. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think we can both agree that it's a shit position for both of you guys right now, but I think you're right with Klopp. With that being said... I think we can squeak right into our next segment, which is just our quick look ahead. We talked about the Champions League already. We were going to plan on saying that on Monday and Tuesday, but everyone was able to watch that action live. So we don't want to talk about that. I think one of the most exciting things, and I might just be really biased about this, but someone out of our cast is going to London. I've only mentioned it a thousand times already, so apologies to everybody. But I take off to head over to the big old land of the English Premier League tomorrow <laughs> night. And I am thoroughly super excited. First time going to see Arsenal play in an English Premier League. I did see them play in Maryland this year against Everton, and that was one of the most thrilling experiences of my life so far. Maryland, first of all, was great to be at. It was a great win, and it was just a great atmosphere. And that was here in the States with half of the MT&T Stadium fill. Not even half, probably more like a third. So to go into Emirates Stadium on Sunday... I have already asked my girlfriend to bring a pack of tissues with her because it is going to be waterwork central. It's going to be incredible. So I'm super stoked about that. I'm going to see them play Crystal Palace. It's a 2 p.m. game there, a 10 a.m. game for here in the States. So if you're watching, keep an eye out for us. Um, I'll be the guy completely way too intoxicated to be at Emirates (laughs) Stadium. So I'm super excited about that. And, you know, I'll be uh, streaming some live entertainment for you guys and sending you some real quick reactions to my thoughts on the game. Hopefully you guys can throw that up on the podcast next week, but super stoked about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Where are you guys sitting? What, like, are you in a hospitality tent or just in like a main stand? So I I messaged, I think everyone on the Arsenal squad and no one's gotten back to me yet about sitting on the bench, but I was kind of hoping (laughs) that that would happen. But right, right now we actually don't know where our seats are. The, the, the way that we've gone through getting the tickets is someone who's abroad and they typically don't get their ticket location revealed to them until three days before the match, something Got like it. that. It could be the, a huge Ponzi scheme and then I'll just be standing outside of the Emirates Stadium still crying, but for a different reason <laughs> because yeah. it's a beautiful stadium. Hey, at least Julie will be equipped with tissues either way, so that's positive. It, it, exactly, <laughs> but we'll, we'll know where we're sitting. I'll shoot you guys a quick note and, and we're very excited to just be in the area. I'm already planning on what pubs to go to. There's a, uh, I think it's called 12 Pints, which is the local, it's a 15-minute walk from the stadium. We pop right out of the tube, and we sit down there probably around 10 o'clock and have a few pints with all the Emirates fans and and see what it is. So it will be the first real English Premier League experience that I've had. I've had a Serie A experience. I've watched Roma play uh, Turin in uh, in 2000, and I want to say 17 which was a really cool experience doing the whole entire Metro to Studio Olimpico and the entire atmosphere there. So I can only imagine, and that stadium is not full because it's ginormous because it was for the Olympics, but this stadium is, is really going to be absolutely rocking. So I don't know if the loss today for Crystal Palace scares me or reassures me enough 
because there's always that kind of eerie feeling that a team that hasn't won a lot, you're high up on the table. It should be an easy win. If, you know, we've seen it already this season with Everton. So it, there's a little bit of nerves there, but I think, you know, being at home, being in the position in the final push that we are and the way that we've been playing, I'm hoping for a really entertaining multiple goal game. Hopefully we can see Gabriel Jesus's first goal back in the squad. So I don't think he'll get the start, which I, I wouldn't blame them, and I don't think he should. But I, I would be very excited to see that happen. Do you do you think, for example, let's and we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves here, but let's say everybody's fit and firing for the Man City game. Does he start up top at that point, or do you stick with what's been working and you play Trossard in the false nine? Because you gotta you gotta mention the guy had three assists this week, and he's probably been your yeah. best player since moving over. Yeah, I think arguably he's been the best signing of the winter transfer window f- across all boards for all teams in the English Premier League. Hot Agreed. take there, but I think it's true. No, that's fair. Um, and I think that but Mikel Arteta actually came out with a quote the other day. He said, you know, yes, he's fit. He's ready for action. He's an incredible player, but just because he's fit, he's, he's not going to slide right back into the lineup. He's got to earn his way back into it like everyone else does. And I tend to agree with that. Um, I think you got to consistently give him the cameos, consistently giving him the time still, get that confidence back up. I'm more concerned about his knee and making sure that that's fully healed. I don't think he I don't think he starts for Man City, but that is in late April. So there's a lot of time to pass between now and then. Yeah. So I, say I guess if he gets. A, I guess better question would be would be Liverpool. Then I I kind of mix up the dates, but yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting whether or not he's, you know, fit and ready to go by that point. Obviously, a long time off, but he also was probably your best player, at, you know, to start the season. So he was the whole reason off. why we're in the position we're in right now, right? I mean, without yeah. that start to the season like we had, we wouldn't be talking about this. Sure. So I would love to see him come back. I think it would be great to have him back in the starting lineup, but again. Who are you going to bounce out? You put Trossard on the on the wing. You bounce out Martinelli, who arguably those two together have been a massive resurgent for Martinelli. You're not you're not pushing someone over to take out Saka's starting spot. So this is the first time I have had this problem. So <laughs> I am extremely it's happy gra- about it's that. It's a great problem to have, man. Let me tell you, it is. When, the few times that Liverpool actually does have or has had their you know their uh, full complement of attackers mm-hmm. in the last couple of seasons. It is such a good problem to have. You can rotate everybody in and out. You know, at the 60-minute mark, you bring in two new guys, and the levels don't drop. If anything, they increase because they're fresh. Um, it's a it's a great problem to have. Just out of curiosity, do you have any plans for Sunday? You know, with the FA Cup, have you thought that far ahead, or is everything no, just about? No, you know what? I kind of forgot about that because who we have we have Sheffield United and Blackburn. Yep. Brighton versus Grimsby Town. Yep. And United, United, Fulham. Fulham, and then City, Burnley. But I believe, I believe the Fulham game is is that at Tro- at Old Trafford or is that at Craven Cottage? I'm not sure. I think it's at Old Trafford again because okay. I remember seeing a post that how how is Man U drawing all these home yeah. games? Yeah, yep. They're the only, um, they're the only yeah. team that has has a, a home game in each competition. Yeah. Every every fixture, every fixture. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it's away at Brighton. It's away at Sheffield. And it's in Man City. So you have two games in Manchester because you have Man United. If it was in Fulham, I think that would be a great time to shoot over there because I'm staying in Chelsea, which Fulham is, is right next to it. Right. So that would have been great. 
I don't have any plans for Sunday because the Arsenal game is on Sunday, so we were just going to head head to the oh, pub early. Okay, I thought that was yeah. Saturday. All right, I mixed that no, up. That's it my was bad. it was originally it was originally Saturday, but because we we're playing tomorrow, uh, it got pushed to Sunday. I had a small heart attack because I booked this flight <laughs> like months ago, and I, all I saw was postponed or pushed back on an Arsenal post. I was like, I swear to God, if it's a different weekend, I'll shit. <laughs> I don't think so, they could do that to you. That'd be so messed up. That'd be pretty messed up. Don't they know I have a podcast that I just rave about them all the time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. More exposure in the U.S. That's what Arsenal needs. <laughs> well, I think this week was a pretty good exposure. Oh, I'm sorry. Everyone's probably waiting on this, but we have the lock of the week to talk about. Um, Kyle's was the last one, right? And that was against, was it you? No, it was an no, L. Was it, I yeah, was holding up it an was, L. It was, you were holding up L. It's a fat L. It was yep. against... Liverpool. It was it was Liverpool over Bournemouth, and yep. Bournemouth won one nothing. So Kyle drops to one and two. You're at the top right now with two and one, yep. and I'm selecting an unlikely favor favorite of mine, and it's going to be Tottenham Hotspur. I think that they are going to win another back to back game because they've done it every single time except for one occasion that they've won two games in a row, coming off of one win, and it's I believe it's a home game too. That might not be true, but let's just check that real fast. Uh, it is an away game versus Southampton, but Southampton sitting at the very bottom of the table coming off of a loss today. They play Tottenham on Saturday. I think Tottenham goes over to Southampton Stadium and gets a, gets a win. And right St. now, Mary's. I think St. Mary's. Thank you. I apologize to all you Southampton fans out there. I don't. Of which there are of which there are zero listening. Yes, exactly. And uh, they're at they're at minus one twenty five right now. So I think for for the odds that they're at, the value you're going to get, I think Spurs walks away with this. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's a good one. Hopefully, uh, I mean, obviously pulling for for Spurs to lose now that we're competing for that fourth spot, but. Should be fun, man, and and obviously, like you said, take a lot of pictures and share some stuff on on social media on, on the uh, EPL State of Mind. If you're not following, check it out. Have some good content from James, and uh, when you get back, we'll definitely you know talk about it and maybe any questions people have about going over you know to to England for a game. You you know you can kind of enlighten the folks. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know, and hey, if you have any recommendations while I'm over there. Drop in my uh, drop in my DMs or in the EPL DMs slide and slide DMs. right in there. Well, thank you, Sean. Appreciate it as always, my man. And thank you, everyone listening. This is Sean and James from the EPL State of Mind signing out one more time.